Hello, and welcome back to Cyber Matters, uh, powered by the Kasuf Podcast Network. I'm your host, Russ Dorsey, uh, a principal and CIO here at Kasuf & Company in Birmingham. Uh, in the last segment, uh, which I hope you'll find in, the, in, in our, our podcast list, we were talking to Lynn Shobe, um, and we're continuing that conversation today. Uh, we'll get back into this just quickly. Lynn's a, uh, so I, I talked about this 30 minutes ago. I'm going to get you up on camera here. I talked about this 30 minutes ago, and I'm already going to fumble through it again. But, 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 but you're currently um, with the uh, Jefferson State Community College Police. Police, that's correct. Um, we talked about uh, you know your your career as a, a certified fraud examiner, but also a certified uh, financial crime investigator, and your your background with the IRS uh, and uh, and then the Treasury, but not as an agent investigating. IRS fraud, but then specific more tax cases, more tax cases yeah. once they got to uh, like people pretending to be IRS agents that's and, right. and those kinds of impersonations. Yeah. That's correct. So <clears throat> please, please go back and catch that podcast to get caught up uh, for, for this one. But I wanted to get back into what we were talking about, which is, you know, the, the types of fraud that we see uh, that affect our families. Uh, and again, it's not it, it is the elderly that appears to be the, the largest victim pool a lot of times, but it's also anybody that we interact with. That's what we were talking about was anybody that we interact with that comes up to, as you said, to seal the driveway. And it's this unexpected knock at the door. It's this unexpected phone call. Um, I'll tell the story. I'll, uh, my wife never watches these, so I'll tell the story about her um, getting her phone hacked. But it's any any incidental contact we have that then turns into a set of instructions followed by a request for money. It's just uh, that shouldn't happen naturally because it's not how money comes to you. I think, right? That's, right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, 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 anytime you you've, you you're engaged, uh, you know, and and I think about even the times I've stopped uh, and been engaged at the gas station with somebody needing that five dollars because their mom was at the hospital, and you know, and I, and we all have big hearts and want to help people, and I've done that several times. Uh, sometimes they'd let me put gas in the tank. Sometimes I got offended and I knew they were wanting to get the money. And then sometimes I'd put some gas in the tank and then I'd come back from the Dairy Queen and see them across the street and getting it from somebody <laughs> else. So apparently mom was further away. Um, but you know, those things, they can only get what's in your pocket. But if they hit you at home, they can get what's in your bank account. And again, with our, you know, with, with the retired population having so much, we're talking about life savings getting drained. Uh, once they find the right victim, and in the previous segment, Lynn, uh, you, you were you were talking about how they 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 kind of multi-thread this and even come back as the uh, you know under the guise of helping, right. you know. So uh, you know, I, I really just in my notes here said I wanted to talk about uh, you know about some case, you know, so, so some cases that you know are are, are good um, you know cautionary tales, but I, I think the one thing since I mentioned what happened with my wife. Um, was, you know, she's fairly savvy. I'm in technology, but I get a call from her one day. Um, it just you know, that they they got her on a, a drive-by on on her her phone, just a pop-up. Hey, the, the, no, no, I take that back. They actually called her. They actually called her on her phone, but said they were with American Express. They detected a fraud, and they set the stage for it. And they needed to get her to get into her American Express account to check for it. And uh, th and they needed to create this account uh, to to get a, a gift certificate. At that point, she 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 they, they they caught her off guard, and but they managed. And my wife is not technically savvy. I'm talking about somebody that you know will throw a phone further than she can use it half the time. <laughs> um, but they managed to do a remote control session on an iPhone 
um, which I can't even do, yeah. <laughs> just long enough to watch her as she was keying in the password into the Amex site, they were catching that little blip as it pops up to get that account. And at the end of the day, she calls me, she, she realizes what's going on. She calls me, we have the Amex, you know, Amex maybe lost 80 bucks on the thing. But the devastation to her, because what I didn't really appreciate till I got home and saw how shaken up she was, was how brutal this guy had been. I mean, he wasn't nice about it. He was belligerent with her. Uh, he was yelling at her over the phone. He got her flustered and then took advantage of that uh, until she finally got her senses about her. And she's still, it's been a year or so since that happened. And it is still, I think, one of the most traumatic things. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, ladies had 25 or so surgeries in the last year, you know. And, but this is the one thing that just really, and so, when we were talking earlier about people that have lost large amounts of money and you were talking about the indignation that comes. Um, so, I mean, what, what is something that, you know, uh, you, you were talking, uh, uh, I need to throw it over to you. I yeah. guess, to, you know, to, First of all, I'm, I'm glad you told the story about uh, uh, American Express. Well, one thing I do want to clarify is that I have always been impressed with uh, American Express's fraud detection capability because yeah. I've been victimized myself where my cards were compromised, they caught it when I wouldn't have even been able to tell and, and I would actually get those calls. Well, now, if you get lulled into the fact that every time American Express calls, claiming to be American Express fraud detection, that that's always real, now we know that's not the case either. Um, and then the, the fact that they are either going to send you a link or something that they can remote into your telephone and then capture your passwords, that's, that's scary. Very, very scary. Uh, we, um, you know, when we talk just a moment about, you know, having other, uh, it's like family members that you're concerned about. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit in the last segment about what individuals can do to protect themselves. But if you've got people that you're concerned about, maybe your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or just close friends that, particularly in the older generation, um, one of the first things you want to do is make sure you stay engaged. Um, you know, keep in touch with them because a lot of times uh, they'll talk to these people on the telephone uh, because they're lonely mm -hmm. and now they've got a friendly voice and some of them will start out friendly and if you don't do what they tell them, then they're going to get that, uh, get angry, uh, uh, they, you know, uh, start, you know, threatening you, cussing you out. Uh, because you're not doing what it is that they wanted you to do. Now, clearly, that's going to be an indicator that this is not real. But by this time, they're, they're, they're berating you into to acquiescing to whatever they want to do, and you don't want that. So, uh, and, and we talked about my mother having been scammed and, and the, ex the extent that these people go through to uh, con you into that. Uh, during that whole time, my father was in the nursing home, and... Uh, so my mother would share with them what was going on. And they'd say, can I pray for you? And then they would pray for my mother and my father while they were telling her to go to uh, Walmart and CVS and buy Green Dot cards. And, and so, the, I mean, they will do whatever it is and try to lull you into thinking that they're legitimate and okay. Um, so you want to stay engaged in these people's lives as much as you can. Uh, when you are dealing with them, kind of be on the lookout for changes in behavior. Uh, maybe they're 
I know on one occasion where my mother was told she was going to win uh, like $1.8 million, but she had to send money. She went to my sister's house where uh, they had uh, some, my parents had put some cash in the safe there and she needed to get some out. And then she started acting almost giddy like, uh, uh, I, I'm getting something, but I can't tell you what it is. Well, my sister had no idea. She didn't share with her what was going on, but uh, it was all about the winnings that she thought she was going to get. So if, if they're acting completely out of character, uh, or I can always tell when my mom calls up something's going on like that, she's acting uh, out of character. That she'll start in the middle of a conversation, like, hey, I want to know, can you, can you tell me if uh, some number is the area code for Ohio? That's not the way you start a conversation. Or she would ask me, have you ever heard of the mega millions? You know, and I knew then something was up, but you know, so if they, uh, the conversation's a bit out of character for them, they're acting strangely. Because the bad guys are all going to tell them, uh, particularly on winnings, um, if you tell anybody, then you're not going to get the winnings. And so they start acting like they're hiding something from you. You want to be on the lookout for that. And if you are blessed to be living nearby and you can go by and visit, just kind of look around and see if you see mailings from sweepstakes that you've never heard of. If it says Publishers Clearinghouse, there's a good chance it's from Publishers Clearinghouse. Not necessarily if they call you on the phone, but if it's in writing, it probably is the real Publishers Clearinghouse. But if it's from sweepstakes you've never heard of, kind of be on the lookout for that. Or you start seeing uh, iTunes cards laying around for people that are not tech savvy. Because mm -hmm. uh, unless you're, you know, your grandchild wants one, you know, it's, what do you want for your birthday? So give me some iTunes cards. Okay, fine. But other than that, some people are not going to have these things. Uh, and that's the way the bad guys will often, even if they're, they tell you you're paying your late power bill, they'll send you to get the iTunes cards. That's not the way your light bill. So, uh, you know, you start seeing things that are out of character or uh, Western Union transmittal sheets uh, for multiple transactions of money uh, by Western Union just laying around because they may actually have that stuff laying out where you can see it, and that's, that's going to be a big indicator that that's something that maybe you'd want to inquire about a little bit more. And then if it ever comes to the point that you suspect that they've been victimized, then there are definitely things you want to look for. Uh, even the bad guys will tell the victims, write this down. Because even if the person uh, has diminished capacity to the extent that they wouldn't couldn't take on a lot of uh, business affairs, they're pretty good about following the last instructions first. And so if the bad guy says, okay, now write this down, and they'll do that. Um, and they'll write down, so you'll have the, the phone number of the stuff originated, what it is they were told they were going to win, uh, the name of the person uh, who at least they claim to be, um, and certain other indicators, maybe mailing addresses. I know uh, the most recent time when my mother was uh, cheated. It turned out to be a Jamaican scheme by an individual in Brooklyn. And uh, so when I found those notes, we were able to secure those notes and I was able to get like uh, the address in Brooklyn where the cashier's check was sent to by UPS overnight. Uh, uh, you may find uh, receipts for cashier's checks or uh, shipping labels from UPS or uh, FedEx, something where it's like overnight. Uh, most of the time bad guys won't ask for uh, things to be sent via United States mail. Uh, they're a little bit fearful of the mail fraud statute. 
What they don't really realize is in 1996, Congress went back and changed the mail fraud statute so that if you use a private carrier to avoid the mail fraud statute, it's still mail fraud. Okay. Uh, so uh, we've been able to use that successfully uh, on many prosecutions. But you know, look for those kinds of things. Always ask about the notes, uh, if they have notes. Uh, a gentleman we talked about in the previous segment uh, who was been, had been victimized for a long period of time, uh, he was real good about taking notes. The man had an entire spiral notebook. He kept them all in the same place. He had a spiral notebook, more than one scheme on every page where he'd written down everything that he was supposed to do, had all kind of tracking numbers and everything on there. And so you were able to do that. And even though I wasn't working on all of those, just looking back through those notes, I was able to find uh, two different schemes that I knew for a fact that my agency was investigating, one in Atlanta and one in South Florida. Uh, so uh, look for those kinds of things. Yeah, there, there, there was a, a case uh, in, that I, I got involved in. Of course, it was I'm, I'm usually brought in for cyber stuff just to give some consult. It's by no means law enforcement. But this, this gentleman... Um, and, and, and again, to get back to how they build these scams, he'd been contacted. He got the pop-up on his computer. So that was the cyber component. They said, oh, your computer's been, uh, been you know, got malware. You got to call this number. Uh, but he gets on the number, uh, and I think it was while he was going to his banking site or something, but uh, however it was, they tied it back to his bank. Then he's then talking to a bank supervisor. Um, who then proceeds to unwind this story. And I think it's like you mentioned in the last segment, this this progression of, oh, we got somebody, let me hand over to this specialist yes. who's now going to do this. But he was taking meticulous notes, which is what I was handed, but he had the person's name, but he had their employee ID, which I've never called a bank and been given an employee ID. That was a kind of a red flag to me. That that is, well, it's my employee ID. Every person he, ever, he talked to had an employee ID. But this bank, the story was that there's a, uh, there's money being pulled out of your account was where they got him in his mind and we need you to go to your local branch um, and when you get there though you can't tell anybody because we think it's an inside job and that was the twisted part he goes in and manages to do the wire transfer and it was if I'm remembering right fifty thousand thirty fifty thousand dollars that he transferred out on day one uh, without having to explain to the bank why he was doing this because he was trying to, because what the uh, the bad guy told him was, we're going to secure your money in another account while we investigate what's going on at the branch. Elaborate story. Uh, then they contact him back and say, well, we, we've got that money. We need to secure the rest of your money. And they went back, and that's when he realized he'd been defrauded um, and went back to the bank and disclosed what had happened. Um, but it was just understanding how they get that person into that mindset. It's like you said, some people won't, won't talk about it because they're prideful. Uh, but in some cases, they've been instructed not to tell oh, absolutely. everybody around them, right? Uh, one of the things you, you mentioned about employee ID numbers, when some of the reform legislation, uh, tax reform legislation was passed and uh, to, to make taxpayers feel more comfortable um, and that they were not being abused by government, government agents, government employees, the IRS came out with a policy, and it might have even been mandated by law, but certainly by policy, that every time you dealt with a, an IRS employee, they had to give you their employee ID oh, right, number. Right, they do, yeah. So yeah. And it was done so that you would always know which employee it really was. So if you had an, an issue that needed to be followed up on the IRS, you could say, well, the person I dealt with was one, two, three, four, five. Um, 
Well, everybody meant well when they implemented that policy. All that happened after that is that every impersonator started giving fake employee ID numbers. So every time an IRS employee or someone impersonated an IRS employee, they throw in that employee ID number, and all that did is raise the confidence level that you were dealing with a real IRS employee. Yeah. So it had, it was intended for one purpose, and all it did was give the bad guys another avenue for confidence. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's typically the the kind of thing we see these unintended, you know, these these safety measures that they put on sites. I mean, I'm, we, we we saw it in cyber when they first started putting you know trust search and, and things on websites. This site is safe, and well, that's easy for the bad guys to to clip that and, 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 and use it to their advantage uh, to, to, as you say, build that confidence and authority that this is a, le a legitimate thing that's going on. Um, yeah, that, that was a, uh, a, a maddening case. I think the, uh, the other one that I got involved with was cyber, you know, on the cyber end of it was, and, and you already alluded to that, was just the, 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 the coming back to that victim time and time and time again. Um, but, but you had mentioned, uh, it was a case, it was, was did, did you just mention one about your mom that you said I hadn't heard before? Yeah, uh, so uh, this kind of goes back to the teaching point about uh, when you're with them, you just got to listen for stuff. So in my most recent visit back home to Tennessee to see my mother, uh, my mother is not tech savvy at all. She can't work the remote on the television. If she gets on the wrong channel, she has to call my sister to come down. I mean, so she's she's got a flip phone, old school telephone in the house, uh, no other technology. So. She starts talking about, but she does uh, writes a lot of letters, and she says, "Hey, man, I've got me some forever stamps, postage stamps, twenty seven dollars fifty cents a hundred." And then she was kind of bragging about she was able to get that, and then she said that my cousin here in Alabama helped her get them. And and then, so at first blush, I'm like, something about that don't sound right, because so I started doing a little research before this otherwise came up. And there are some major retailers that are able to get a deal with the Postal Service for like, you know, like uh, 10 cents off and then they can recoup their loss and, and sell them at a store to you at face value. But not at that kind of deep discounted rate. There's no way you're going to get 100 stamps for $27.50. But, you know, wasn't thinking too much about it. The next thing I know, I hear my mother on the phone talking to her best friend who's an elderly lady in uh, Widow in uh, Mississippi. She's talking to her son, who's probably older than I am, and uh, explaining to him, so here's what you do. You go on, you get on your Google, and here's what you type in. Uh, forever, 100 forever stamps for $27.50. <laughs> so now she's got this widow woman in, in uh, Mississippi going to go online and start buying postage stamps for $27.50 a hundred. I'm like, oh, something about this is clearly just wrong. And so as soon as she hangs up the phone, I said, I started looking for notes. I said, bring me everything that you've got about that. So she's got some of this stuff written out, like what the Google search terms that you're supposed to use when you do that. So I reached out to my good friend who's the head of the Postal Inspection Office here in Birmingham. Uh, so I had her to bring me some of the stamps that she'd gotten. And my first concern is that they're counterfeit stamps. So he and I started engaging in it. I sent him pictures of the stamps she's been buying, and I'm really concerned about that. So 
I was one of the things I was going to be able to tell my mother is that if you're buying counterfeit stamps and you're using them, you're actually facilitating a crime yourself. So you're now unwittingly oh, wow. participating that you're actually a criminal, uh, a criminal act by using a stamp that's counterfeit. So there could be consequences to you. But then when I'm asking um, my friend in the Postal Inspection Service about how to detect them, and he gave me some clues and indicators about So I, I went to the store and bought a black light so I could do some more comparisons while I was sitting in my mom's house. But then one of the things he also shared with me, he said, well, he said, there's a strong possibility that they're not counterfeit. What they are is where a criminal has stolen your credit card information, went out and bought $1,000 worth of real postage stamps from the Postal Service on your credit card, and they're selling them online for $2,750. So you're not committing a crime if you're doing that, but you're unwittingly supporting an entire criminal enterprise, and technically, by selling the stamps online, is laundering the proceeds. Okay. So it's it's a money laundering matter, um, and so um, I, in in that instance, I shared uh, back with Ronnie the uh, um, the URL for that site that that my cousin was buying these from my from my mother at twenty seven fifty because he said their revenue protection program at uh, the postal service they're going to do undercover buys. So they can start checking to see if perhaps they're counterfeit and uh, stuff like that. But things you don't think about. So just by overhearing my mother saying that, so the first thing I told her was, okay, look, you don't, I, this is too good to be true. You, these, Something's wrong with this, and you need to be aware that either of these are counterfeit stamps, and these could be consequences, or at least you're, you're actually furthering someone else's criminal enterprise. And you don't, you don't want to do that either. And now you've got your best friend caught up in this too. You, uh, you might want to call them back and say, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Uh, you know, and that was just by just overhearing a conversation in one of those rare occasions when I'm sitting in my mother's home. So you've got to be mindful about any conversation that you hear that, that they're, they've kind of been lulled into doing something that yeah. it may not be all on the up and up. And, and, and somebody could have started that on, on Instagram. I, when, when it comes to those things that, that you find that may have been on Instagram, they're, they're kind of fed to you. Um, there, there is this need to, to launder, and that I've, I've heard a presentation in the past talking about the amount, and maybe in the early days, but probably still, the amount of stolen goods on Amazon. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, either from overseas because it's, it's a fungible asset, right? That's right. And Where Amazon will let vendors sell on their platform. So somebody's the classic would be somebody stole your credit card, mm -hmm. ordered up a bunch of like ring doorbell cameras and then they become a vendor on Amazon and you think you're buying from Amazon and you buy up a legitimate product yeah. from a legitimate company but the vendor that's actually in the middle over here, a third party vendor is actually bought all these with stolen proceeds. So yes, that is like, a huge like, like, thing. Like the romance scam or something where somebody says, hey, you know, which, which is another whole thing. That is, uh, yeah, that's it's, another it's, whole hey, thing. I, I need you to send me 10 iPads <clears throat> over to you know Africa because I'm working on a mission over there. That's the tail end of a romance scam. So that's where they use the stolen credit, you know, credit card or somebody willingly goes yes. and buys the iPads. Oh, that's right. Then they ship them, but those iPads wind up right back on Amazon. For, uh, they you know, very easily could. Very easily and, do, uh, yeah. I, 
since you mentioned romance scams, I, I do have one thing I really want to caution people about. You don't want to scare people. Rarely on these kind of schemes is there a real person, real close, that's going to do you harm. So that's typically um, the thing, and I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, I was listening to a, another podcast from the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. Um, they put out, and it was a two-part uh, series, and it had to do with a romance scam. Uh, the lady in, lived in the Midwest. Uh, she had grown children. Her husband had passed away, but she was a businesswoman, uh, very skilled in accounting and finance. She was just, you know, sharp, top of her game. Uh, but then she'd met some guy on a dating site, something, uh, who uh, was purportedly from Sweden, and he was involved in all kinds of investment opportunities. And so this thing went on. Uh, the daughter then gets a telephone call from the actual postal inspectors saying, hey, we think your mom may be uh, caught up in a romance scam. And so the daughter actually confronted mom, and, and mom's like, oh, no, and, you know, and I'm careful, don't worry about it, everything's going to be fine. And uh, so the daughter was paying a little bit more attention, but like I said, they've already been notified by federal law enforcement that there's a problem with this. And then one day, uh, shortly thereafter that, um, there was some money that got transferred. The daughter asked the mother, was this... A, an investment opportunity that this gentleman had, that you're hooked up with here, uh, is it an opportunity that he shared with you, brought to your attention? And of course, mom's a little bit reluctant to go into more detail. And not long after that, uh, mom went missing, hmm. and uh, her body was recovered from the Mississippi River. Yeah. Uh, so. This, these things uh, could actually evolve into something. Yeah, they, 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 they often can have real-world consequences because a lot of times they have to have real-world actors, even if they're running the scam out of Nigeria or out of Eastern oh, Europe. Absolutely. They have to have agents here who are moving some things around or maybe you know, complicit in absolutely. some way. Uh, you know, so uh, I guess to kind of wrap this session up, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked about what to look for and what, what, what some of these different scams are. Uh, and that they're coming via any kind of contact. I mean, somebody knocking on your door, but usually right now it's the phone scams. I think the phone scams get worse just because of AI. Phone right now is still the easiest way to engage people. And like you said, to really get into the deep scams, they've got to have that control, and they can't really do that with a phishing email. They can't, I mean, they can maybe take your computer over and grab some information, but when they can get you on the phone oh, yeah. and catch you at your weakest is when they can... I still see value in the do not call list. Yeah. I made a point to put my cell phones and my home phone on there uh, because if it's a legitimate company and you just don't want to be bothered by them, they'll follow the rules and they won't bother you. Yeah. Um, if it's a somewhat legitimate company that's got renegade employees or agents, uh, they may cut corners and go ahead and call. Uh, if it's a straight-up criminal, they don't care. The least of their concerns is the Federal Trade Commission and the fine, civil fine for calling somebody on the do not call list. But at least it helps me determine that either it was someone that got my contact information legitimately, although it was frustrating to me, uh, because, uh, for example, uh, all of us, as in, when you hit your 64th birthday, everybody and their brother wants to sell you a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, and you're going to get a call from all kinds of legitimate companies. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to be bothered by any of them, but they that's okay, and it's not in violation of the do not call list. That's frustration. But on the other hand, if I know that I'm on the do not call list and somebody is calling me with something, you know, here, uh, that might be a better indicator to me that's a straight-up criminal because they don't care. So I still see value in the do not call list. Um, I'd get on it if I was not already on it. Yeah, but but, but still, the, the, the phone scams are, are going to remain oh, an issue for a long, long absolutely. time. Yeah, be, be, because of the technology they can now put behind the phones. So, uh, you know, to, to kind of get in just a final, final couple of bullet points to take away. So, I've been scammed, say, uh, and I've got significant losses. Um, what are the things I need to do to engage law enforcement the most effectively? Do I go to my local PD? Am I, am I calling the FBI? Uh, I mean, it, uh, I, I guess if it's like you said, if there's a threat of a physical contact, I mean, who, who do I want to call first? Who do I want to have, have on my call list? And, and uh, this is going to be one of those um, answers. Well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. If if uh, if the person's coming to your home and wants to seal your driveway or work on your roof or fix your chimney, and you're skeptical about that or they get a little bit pushy, um, local law enforcement. Is, is your best option. I mean, you want to call somebody to get get a, a response out there right away to make it a matter of record or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's always going to be a local law enforcement. If you think there's a person, if somebody shows up, if, even if it started over the telephone, but somebody shows up at your house, you want to start with local law enforcement. Get somebody to intervene uh, because of the whole physical safety issues. The others uh, are then again, it depends. Let's say somebody called you up and it was an investment opportunity and now you think you're being scammed. Uh, we're blessed in Alabama uh, with having the Alabama uh, Securities Commission, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most aggressive investigative bodies at the state level anywhere in the United States. Uh, very, very impressive. Um, and so if it had anything to do with an investment opportunity, it doesn't matter uh, if the caller was coming from uh, Alabama or not. They have jurisdiction and if the victim is in Alabama. So that would be one, because of the special nature of the scam, I would call somebody like that. Uh, Otherwise, uh, if it was um, one of the other, you know, like if you knew, for example, that the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration works IRS impersonations, and somebody called you up and said, I'm from the IRS, send money, uh, then obviously dealing directly with them would be a good thing. But otherwise, uh, you can... Uh, either call the local FBI office uh, or deal with the uh, Internet Crime Complaint Center mm-hmm. uh, and, and file a report there. And they can screen it and send it out to the appropriate federal law enforcement agency. Yeah. So it's it, it definitely is going to be one of those who you call depends. And even when I have a victim calling me, uh, or I'll get family members call me and say, hey, I think my mom's been scammed and here's what the situation is, I'll listen for those indicators uh, that would say that this case more nearly fits the Postal Inspection Service, the Secret Service, the FBI, or one specific one, and I would farm that over to them. Well, my mother was uh, scammed the first time in Tennessee. Uh, we reached out to the Secret Service just simply on the basis of how the thing was carried out. Yeah, and, and, and there's a feeling, you know, uh, as... You know, a lot of us that there's there's so much of this that you're probably not going to get your money back if you were taken for for some amount of money. But but I always want to say, 
uh, like in the case of this this gentleman I mentioned that went to the bank, he waited a week before talking to anybody else. And what he didn't know, and I was very upset that the bank didn't tell him this, was that they could have reversed that wire transfer for up to 72 hours through the IC3, the Internet IC3.gov, which I'm going to put in the, in the links below, they will initiate what's called a business email compromise kill chain. Absolutely. So, and, and they can the, reverse out even if it's going overseas. Uh, and in most cases, if they have mutual cooperation, they can pull those transfers back for up for 72 hours. So you've got to have that in your speed right. dial to say, okay. Oh, yes. Because what happens, you, you, you call the local police and you, you want to probably do want to start there. If, if you've got something, again, a physical threat or something, or even a loss, just to get it on record. But the, don't don't leave it to the local police to call the FBI. You have every right. And, the, and the local FBI office, they do a lot of outreach in, in this area. And elder fraud right now, by the way, is huge. If you go to the FBI.gov site, they've got a lot on this. So when you call the local Birmingham office with something, and again, a, a, a larger loss, uh, they're, they're going to be concerned and you're going to get an agent if it's a, you know, an amount, then if, and if it's time sensitive, but you have to communicate that. So I think that's an important thing to understand about these scams. I mean, if it's on your credit card, American Express is going to protect you, you know, they're going to protect the loss. Uh, but if they've gotten into your bank, uh, but but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Alabama Securities Commission. Um, I mean, you're right, that is a great resource. Uh, we're actually planning to get them on. I didn't know that Joe Borg had retired, but uh, did you know that? No, I was not aware that. I Joe wanted to get Joe, on, but, uh, but, but he's retired. But, but, but one one other thing, and, and we mentioned this, I think, in the last segment too. But if you're gathering some information for law enforcement, you had mentioned the notes, things around the house. I think we talked about at the beginning of this segment, but all of those things that are in the environment there, so that you've got that evidence together for the law enforcement agent that that's going to come help you with that and you can give them all this information. Like you said, you've, you found two other cases referenced. There may be a pattern attack going on just in this area code that's impacting, you know, as specific as the trustful prefix. So if you see things, oh, yes. yeah, so if you report there and they go, yeah, we're getting a lot of complaints, you know, this, this week about that, you're going to help law enforcement, uh, even if you don't get your own $100 or $200 back, right? Oh, yeah. And, and one of the ways about tying things together, uh, as a law enforcement investigator, I have an account with uh, Consumer Sentinel, which is controlled uh, by the Federal Trade Commission and gets feeds from every kind of place. Um, on the uh, most recent time, or one of the times when my mother was scammed, I guess the most recent time, uh, I was able to take her notes uh, and the names that the person was using and do a search on keywords in Consumer Sentinel and was able to find a victim in Missouri uh, that was told us that, that the bad guy was using the same alias, uh, it was the same telephone number, it was the same street address in Brooklyn, and so I knew it was the same same set of bad guys, and, and what it does is if you don't know for sure about the credibility of one witness, but you can see that they're using the same verbiage saying everything over here well actually corroborates that and you can tie those cases together. Yeah, so, so, so it helps law enforcement out later on. All right, well, well Lynn, I want to uh, thank you again for taking uh, this time with me. I always enjoy uh, hearing everything you have to say, but also, like I said, I always learn 12 or 15 new things from you just because of your experience. I hope we can have you back at some point. Uh, sure. I mean, you know, and as, as things change or certainly something comes up, um, but, but we can't, I guess, as I said, starting this out, I know we've said some things in here that you've already heard on, you know, uh, Good Morning America, 
but we're not getting the message out enough because people are still getting victimized. We'll be done when people are, you know, are hardened to the point where these, these scammers move on to something else completely. Uh, and, and they're not preying on us this way because it's still working. So we got to keep getting this information out. But, um, but again, thank, thank you very much for your time. And um, I'm going to uh, also thank our audience for this. Uh, again, go back and catch part one uh, that's already posted. Um, and again, and, and I'll, I'll have notes and links below. Um, but I'm Russ Dorsey with uh, Cyber Matters. Uh, we'll wrap this session up powered by the Kazoo Podcast Network. And I want to wish you a very good afternoon. Thank you very much.